So, so you're telling me about uh, your expensive um, luxury first, um, <laughs> first, I don't know, what was called first, first world, you know, uh, laptop or how much Privileges, money is that? 1200 you know, like, It's all right, though. I'm not rich enough to get one of those, but you know, hey, I'm an investor in Apple. Speaking, so. speaking from an invest, uh, invest, I mean, a millionaire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but I'm just saying as an investor, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm vibe with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that that brings up a good question. Have what? you seen that? Uh, I guess they're attacking the Ram the Vivisek Rasmani. You know that the I forget his Wamaswani, the guy that's running for um, Republican uh, candidate for president. Oh, the attack. Which one? Well, no, the the Indian American guy. Yeah, I know the, Indi- the only Indian yeah, yeah, American. Yeah. Oh yeah, obviously. <laughs> it's like, hey, I'm just trying to make sure the people only know the one. Name. I, I know exactly. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. So they were attacking him, saying that he did not come from no money, uh, because his father was like an engineer and his mom was a doctor. What's your take on that? Because there's this weird line between. Have he ever said that he he said he came from working class people? But I guess somebody says he he didn't come from money. Maybe he might have even insinuated he didn't come from a lot of money. But what's the the range here? And that was a question I asked some other people. Was like, what's this range that you have for where where does it cross the line from building generational well bootstrapping to building generational wealth to nepotism? Where does the line switches? <laughs> Yo, honestly, at this point, if you're not a George Santos like pathological like, liar out here, yeah, yeah, yeah I had to <laughs> You know, so you 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 went to medical school at NYU. <laughs> your 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 family from did they uh survive the Holocaust? <laughs> all types of stuff. You know, all, all types of he, stuff. He was probably even black. Who knows? Man, at some point. <laughs> exactly. But there's there's this. I guess there's this thing that's going on in society. They're trying to measure what it is to come up for nothing. Like struggle. And, yeah. Yeah. Like what is it? Like it, it, is the person only valuable if they were just in abject poverty and stayed there? <laughs> like and and one day they just you know, somehow made it to the top. And that's when they're kind of like, oh, you're, we're praising them for it. And then after we praise them for it, do their do now their kids, do we kind of look at their kids and say, ah, oh, no, nah, you just had nepotism. Like Beyonce and, and Blue Ivy. I don't see anything wrong with that. See, I, I, I think that's interesting. Because I think a lot of people do when it's, uh, when it's painted in a different color. No, no, I don't. Okay. Uh, across right. across Across any racial lines, I really don't. As much as we downfall when it comes to uh, nepotism and when it comes to legacy and generational wealth, if we start from the beginning at the source, right? At the reference, someone made a huge sacrifice, either come to this country or either quit their job, like Beyonce dad did, quit his job. Um, Her mom uh, was a successful uh, beauty salon owner, right? Quit her job and went full throttle into destiny child and went full throttle into coming to America. Like there's different stories. Someone made a sacrifice in order for their children and their legacy to have a better life and options than them. We can start from there. Okay. Like, and that's fair. And I, that's, that's fair. That, but what I, about I just, the, I look I guess at that that point, their kids, their mm-hmm. kids can't say that they came from, you know, I guess humble beginnings. <laughs> like they can't say that. <laughs> a lot of politicians always say that I came from humble beginnings. Like, what does that mean? I, I think I think we get so um so <sighs> I, I think it's a lot of hateration. A lot of it's hateration, but and, and, I, I think and, and people envy. try to be relatable so much and this whole relate relating to each other is only under the spectrum of uh struggling. And that's not true. My struggle may not be your struggle. Right. My struggle this morning was Bruno waking me up at six o'clock in the morning, just crying because you want to go outside. You know what I'm saying? Like I have like more of a, a privileged struggle. There's there's no there's no. But my mom's struggle was trying to figure out who's going to watch her kids while she had to be at work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like she waking up I, with like five kids or exactly. what, six kids hungry. You know? like, my, like, my mom had to make make that that sacrifice. Right. My dad definitely had to make a sacrifice, leaving his uh, three sons in um, Haiti and come to America alone trying to start something before he brought my mom so i don't know i just i don't look at that way there's something about immigrants there's something about first generation um uh nationalities coming here to america and the sacrifice they have made outside and excluding racism excluding sexism excluding everything they had to go through they made a way 
by all that other stuff, I don't, I don't see. And you, you could call me whatever you want to call hey, me. I just, I'm I just don't you, see. Days, they're gonna, they're gonna look at your story somewhere. Obviously, you're gonna end up somewhere in the news, and somebody's gonna say, "Oh, she's just lucky, and she's also privileged." Okay. How would that make you feel? <laughs> like, like you after all the stuff that you've gone through in life, for somebody to just reduce it down to you being lucky and privileged. But they only, they, they only, they will only see it in the lens of the, the lack of their own uh, journey, right? They can only see it from that, that, that view, right? So when people are placing these borderlines and these restrictions and everything on you and outside of that, they can't see anything else. So opinions doesn't matter to me because it all started from somewhere. That seed was planted. Someone bought a seed from somewhere. Someone export, you know, a package and bulk of seeds to, to another country. It all starts from somewhere. And someone made a sacrifice. So I don't I don't reduce anyone's experiences or anyone's perspective because of where they come from or how they got to the point where they got from. It's like we all receive some upper uh, hand from somewhere to get to the point where we are, right? Like we someone helped us at some point or the other we all have to agree to that you know and how we got here it shouldn't matter it's the fact is what we're going to do when we are here that's all it is oh out here dropping bars so this is this is the this is the episode where i interview atlanta and get her to interview say some controversial. i'm contra i'm trying to get you to do controversial <laughs> things question becoming because i did hear something very interesting and I was running, which is something I'm, I'm trying to get back into. It's kind of sad. While I was running, this two miles in, and I, I'm listening to this podcast, and the podcast insinuates that generational financial trauma can be oh, pa passed down from your DNA. But I, and, and for example, let me give you this perspective, is that, hey, the reason you don't save is because somewhere in your great-grandfather did not have the ability to save. Think about it. We don't at that know point, our great I, <laughs> At that point, you know, you got to understand. At that point, I'm running. I stop. At first, I'm like, let it go, Lawrence. Let it go. And I got instantly angry at the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. So you need to tell me the person now does not want to save because my great-grandfather did not save or because they, they suffered some injustice or whatever it is. So therefore for some reason, this is a reason I don't want to invest and I don't want the budget. I don't want to do any, I, I, it, it threw me out. So I want to get your perspective of this pseudoscience that the smart people with credentials are saying. I had to air quote the credentials. I, I don't know what the science come from in terms of what study and research. Social media, damn it. <laughs> That's the That's, there's, there's no study or research because whatever... DNAs, oh, excuse me, whatever DNA that we uh, are coming from, from our parents or generations prior is always evolving, right? And, and we have to take in consideration the other half of that DNA for the person you are, um, you are uh, a part of, like the parent, the, the father, whomever, right? So there's another part of that as well. But I think in terms of evolution, that's when the whole nurture and nature thing come into um into prospect is because although we may be quote unquote traumatized from a, a previous experience, how, how we are groomed and what we are exposed to kind of shift and change our experiences. Like you and I, we're both from South Florida. You're from, you know, way down in Miami. Miami's the like a different part, country. The better part of, uh, <laughs> of South Florida, obviously. You're, 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 you're the, the, yeah, the different country of Florida, Miami, right? And I'm from um more of the uh rural. Glaze, call it what, no, 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 call it rural. Call glaze, it what it is. Rural, <laughs> trying rural to make area. Call it fancy name, the glaze. No, it's a rural area of Florida. Right. So it, let's let's talk about DNA and evolution because if we're if you if we really want to stick to that, stick to their argument and say that you know our our, our trauma <laughs> and things that we actually have the uh have been through like. For example, you are just a great example of like b being born here in the U.S. and then have to ship off to Haiti to be raised by your aunts and everyone else, a country you was not familiar with. And then you learn to adapt, right? You learn the, co the culture, learn the language, everything that you had to do did to come back to the U.S. and being exposed to new, new other experiences over again. 
like for myself um growing up with my mom i didn't even know my dad because my dad passed away before i was one right so there there was so much of trauma and things that i had to experience seeing my mom do a lot of stuff for herself not because she wanted to because she had to so all those things were embedded in us we we get it we see it but again that's that point in that that portion when um nature <laughs> comes in and how we're nurtured into you know our environment how our parents have taught us or how our um friendships and relationships have um evolved over that time as well i think that plays a huge component of all those things but am i going to trace back to great great grandfather who didn't say no <laughs> i'm not gonna it's do that wild. it's a wild I, I, idea I, 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 what's 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 the study what's the research I, I, I don't think there is a study or a research there's these ideas that float around in society now that almost like you're adopting somebody else's plight right it's like hey my grandmother you know worked you know as a farmhand right at some point she worked a farmhand and sometimes she went to the city so on and so forth and for some reason in my lack of to your point a story right I'm trying to co-op her story as if I'm the one I went through that. I, I didn't go through what she went through. I've seen migrant workers. That that job is hard. <laughs> like that job is terrifying. I've done hard work, but not at that level. Hell to the nah. This is real. I can't in good faith co-op somebody else's struggle. I cannot. Learning what went down, especially with you know, regards to enslavement of um, African-Americans through the transatlantic slave trade and the, the type of... Um, environments they were they were in there is this one story about i guess sugarcane um, plantations those things were they even objectively said those things were the worst why because sugarcane you've seen it you tasted it you're like man this is a great flavor but to actually cultivate it they have jagged edges that means as you're cutting through it's cutting through you through flesh blood inside the actual sugar cane that means these air i cannot like in, in good faith in 2023 sitting in the full luxury of my home with ac blasting on my face say that i'm struggling like my ancestors did because they I, that's not the same struggle these guys were under the pale light of the sun pure heat getting cut up by sugar cane and ants because that's another part of it too the ants in the sugarcane field were, were were soldier ants. I forget what I, I want to say they call them army ants, but I think they might be soldier ants. But these were like brutal red ants. They'll come, they'll get you. Cause this is this is their bread and butter too. So it was like a war between man trying to get sugarcane from this sugar from this, this this patch, fighting ants and fighting the 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 temperature and the environment. And it's very odd to me that this generation deemed fit to just sit back in the comfort of their home, watching the um netflix and on the twitterverse you know with their their itching fingers exposing their perspective on how they could now co-op this thing and and say oh we have generational financial trauma from way back in the ancestors where our ancestors actually fought for something that's greater than them it's just very odd to me how, how long are we going to use this though yeah, I used to ask that question. How long? How long is going to be a valid like statement or like you, you know uh, narrative like, that we yeah, can lean on? Yeah, how long? How long are we going to co-op these stories? And maybe another hundred years. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe give or take two hundred, maybe three. How long? How long? The thing that I think a lot of um, Americans, um, you know, the the side of the Americans say, well, they come here, they take our, their immigrants come and take our uh, jobs. I don't know where that comes from, but you know what I mean? Like those sort of Americans, right? But what I love about immigrants, especially um, ones that come from nothing, they always make a way, right? They can't, they, a lot of them don't have papers. <laughs> they don't have uh, any sort of uh, legality, to be here in, in America or work status or whatever it may be, but they always make a way. And like Lawrence mentioned, I am from a rural area out in the Glades, right? Here in Florida, um, I was raised there. And a lot of immigrants come <laughs> to Bell Glade to start a life, right? And, uh, you know, when you speak of seasonal workers, that was the main source of Bug Laid is agriculture work. Either you work there or you have other places um, they travel where they can work. And a very good money, but it was hard work. Very hard work from sunset to, to, to from sun up to sunset, right? And it was extremely gruel work. And they did it. 
And I seen families growing up. Um, I had a lot of Hispanic friends and Mexican friends. I seen families shack up in one bedroom apartments had to be at least 10, 12 people. Like I, I see so many things as a young person and, and I'm realizing more and more is if you want something, you'll make a way. That's why I love immigrants. They come here without any excuses and they just make a way. Cause it's hard when we talk about bootstrapping and I understand we had a, you know, a previous episode about this, um, how we both, you know, share our stories and share how, you know, we, we pushed through and made a way. Right. But I understand the, um, the spectrum of it. You can't teach someone to, um, learn how to fish if they don't have a rod, right. To actually fish. So I get that. I absolutely do. So there are limited resources. There are limited places and environment. Like it's, there's so many limited things, right? That can um, prevent someone or enable someone to not kind of strive or thrive in a place that they can't be. But immigrants come to the country. The number one thing they know about the USA, their resources. One way or the other, you will find a resource, Right. And that could be from a handout. That could be from probably knowing someone. You, they make a way. And that's I think that's what I'm going to always stand on. Ten toes down. If you want something, you're going to make a way to get it. Someone made a sacrifice along the way from my dad coming to this country first and bringing my mom years later. You know, unfortunately, he passed away and my mom did everything that she could. Being the first you know, person in her family to own a home here in the U.S. It's like. If you want something, you'll make a way. That's, that's where I stand on. Nepotism or not, legacy or not, someone made a sacrifice for their children to have a softer life, to have less struggles and have more options. Are you willing to make that sacrifice? Some people will, are not. They talk about it. They want legacy. <laughs> they want generational wealth, but they're not willing to make the sacrifices for it. Yeah, while you were out there giving your soliloquy, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that soliloquy means. I just want to say that. Nah, it's actually very true. There's these fundamental ideals that, you know, a lot of different Americans have now co-opted over the lifetime, the last what, 70 years of hyper-consumerism. Everybody's just waiting for things to come to them. They're waiting for somehow the government is going to provide money. Somehow the, the government is going to cancel out our debt. Somehow you know, um, the government will provide affordable housing. It's a very odd sit back and wait for phenomenon that I think is catching uh, this generation off guard because it's just not going to happen. But for some people, it will because the generational wealth transfer from the boomers to the uh, millennials is set to be, I forget, I think it might've been $68 trillion worth of wealth. So as the boomers pass away, they're going to pass over this wealth to their kids. And if you're in the position to, you know, benefit from your, your, your seniors passing, that's on you. But for a lot of um, blacks in America, that's not even the case. There's likely probably a small percentage, just like maybe less than 10% of black people will probably receive some form of inheritance, significant inheritance. Whereas majority of Black people will not versus the majority of this $68 trillion in wealth transfer is not going to come for, you know, for, for the minority or the oppressed. So for those people themselves, they shouldn't be sitting there and waiting because it's, this reprieve is not going to show up. It will not. And while you're doing, you're saying all these words, I actually looked up the median household income um, based off the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. First, I went to the 2022 one and I looked at it. I was like, all right. 2022, it shows that there's a change in median income for households that are native born of uh, um, a decrease of 2.5%. So generally, they're doing all these surveys, so they're, they're narrowing it down. So the median income for a household of native born Americans is now $75,210. So keep that in mind. The next one is actually foreign born. Foreign born is now listed as $71,350. That's $71,350. And it's shown as, as an increase of 0.2%. Um, so over the last year, we're seeing that uh, the native born are actually gaining on just the, the you know, I guess, uh, well, the foreign born are gaining on the native, basically saying that immigrant uh, Americans, people that are, are coming into America are actually gaining based off of income, labor, jobs, so on and so forth, they're putting in the work. 
and they're actually closing the gap between them. Why do I know that? Because I also went back and pulled up the 2021 uh, number because I have all the PDFs uh, on my, my, my computer. And it shows me that there is a difference back in 2020 between native born and foreign born of $6,000. So at the time it was um, American born, whatever, $68,795, whereas foreign born was $61,984. That gap in between of the household is actually shrinking. And that's actually very, very interesting going into the next 20, 30, 40 years, because you're going to see more and more um, American born, American raised people sitting back waiting for this reprieve to show up, whereas you're going to find a lot of first generation or immigrant Americans are going to come in and they're going to make waves. They're going to take all available opportunities and they're going to do the best that they can with it and they're going to make waves. They're not going to sit back and say, well, I have generational financial trauma that you need to assess and therapize and, and mythicize and kind of like do all the other you know, um, certified ways of, of saying very smart stuff. But at the end of the day, they're just going to put in the work, they're going to invest, and they're going to grow their capital, and it's going to change America forever. No excuses. Where where did you... Um... <laughs> like, where did you get this stuff? <laughs> no, 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 no. I was going to say, where did you hear that podcast again? I think you posted on the group. I did post it on this group. I think it was... Uh, I, I want to say the... Smart, smart something? It, it was like smart money something. is by like... I won't say it's Fidelity. It could have been blood? Nerd Wallet. It's probably a nerd wallet or something like that, but they they basically have a podcast, and that podcast uh, invited other people in this um, financial trauma space. Moonblood? <laughs> no, so, no, no, Moonblood, and and then you know the 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 Moon Noir that we know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, we out here throwing out different languages out here. Hey, the the, the people that obviously that there's 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 characters uh, forming around financial trauma, and I personally find it hilarious because. You're trying to force this ideal in people's heads that they cannot do anything. And I'm personally not of that vein of telling people that. I'd rather tell people that they're, you know, empowered, they're capable, and they can actually make meaningful change in their life. And they have to move beyond the adoption of the victim ideal or the victim mentality. And that's always been um, part of me. I'm not making any um, quips about it. I'm not making any reservation. I'm not taking any prisoners from this one. I'm calling it what it is as just weak. And especially if you're a young man in America, especially if you are a young black man or a young brown man, whatever you are, like you definitely need to double down on some level of courage, because if you're not courageous, if you're not facing the world with 10 toes down and a chest held high, you're merely an unconfident and, and fractured person that have no idea what they're doing. I said what I said. I see. <laughs> I see. Um, can can we go back to the um, uh, this this well, it's not a study. Can you explain that one more time in terms of the medium household? Um, so what is this? Is this something they do annually, every th few years, or how okay. is this conducted? There's a couple of things, and it it took me a bit, and probably until this year, to really kind of separate it out to fact and fiction or what's going on here. There's a lot of different um government entities. That, that, that have different mandates. And because they have different mandates, they report differently. So and I just said a whole bunch of like jargon for a lot of people. We got different organizations spearheaded by the federal government that's providing data okay. or information that politicians use, businesses use, or even the Federal Reserve, which is not the federal government. It's a separate body that controls the interest rates and so on and so forth in the banks. Everybody uses data to understand where we're going as a society. So we could either make adjustments or we can either make uh, changes into interest rates or what do we pump money into? Where do we go and how does it generally look? So there's three organizations that I'll bring up here. One, there's a U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Two, there's the U.S. Census. Three, there's the Federal Reserve, which does their own surveys and is known as the Survey of Consumer Finances, right? So we have all three. You always generally hear about um, the U.S. Census every 10 years. So every 10 years or so, they actually run a survey. They send it out to a lot of different people. They, they basically, over the time of 10 years, they do follow these people as well. So for the, for the, the census themselves, they, uh, they ask for everybody to, you know, basically self-report. 
self-report how much you're making, self-report what are you doing, not on the tax level. They're not going to try to find you. They just want to make sure that we are accounting for how many Americans exist and where do we need the most of our resources. So that's the yeah. U.S. Census Bureau. Yeah, I think so, anyone knows that one, though. Generally, some people don't. Some people are like, where did it pop off from? Like, every once in a while, it just pop up out of nowhere, especially if you're young, you have no idea where this comes from. So this is where it's come from. And it's not something that you want to avoid because there's a lot of people, especially in uh, immigrant communities, that avoid signing um, signing or even disclosing information because the of fear, fear mm -hmm. of being caught for something. And there's been a big push to explain to people that this is not a gotcha moment, as more, much more that we need to account for how many people are in these neighborhoods that need these resources, because that's how we could generally allocate our funds better as a country. Right. That's what we do. So the um, first thing is the U.S. Um, Bureau of Labor Statistics. They actually report information constantly, and but they do this one uh, report annually, which is the Median Household Income and Expenses Report that shows you um, basically the median income being that how much generally households are making in America, the middle of the ground households, excluding the complete outliers. So like uh, Oprah's household, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, you know, even LeBron, those things are considered so much outliers that you have to take them out the mathematical equation because it will skew the numbers. So the median is different from the average. So the median just shows you what's in the middle point. And at the middle point of 2022, the typical household in America brought in um, a median amount of, in 2022, real median, whatever, was $74,580. That's the median amount of money that the um, American household brought in. However, family households brought in an, a higher percentile of $95,450 versus non-family households brought in $45,440. So they really break this down beyond that into race, um, age of household um, holders, nativity of the household we talked about just earlier, the native versus foreign-born, the regions, the metropolitan cities, the education attainment by household, you know, high school, high school, no grad, no college, some college, bachelor's degree, so on and so forth. All of this information is made readily available. And that comes around like every first uh, week of September every year. So every following year, so for 2022, we just got it in 2023. That's how they do these numbers. Then you have the census. The census, they're not necessarily mandated to that, but because they just want to keep tabs on everything, they actually re release their real median income numbers, which is different from just median income. The real median income takes account inflation. So that's why they run that number. They also factor in inflation. And so they give a, a slightly different version, which they they believe or some people feel that might be more accurate of what uh, families typically have. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Whew, that's a lot going on so far. And then we have um, the other thing that they do. The census also brings out the poverty um, levels information. And they also bring out um, health care. So for, for whatever reason, they're... I guess the census, when you think about it, they're more like they're they're concerned about data as it affects people on a day to day level. Yeah, Whereas they try to make they try to make sense of the uh, the data yeah. of people. Yeah. Well, they try on. to humanize, and I, I guess that's probably the better term to humanize yeah. data in a way that it's like, okay, this is how people are really living. Whereas mm -hmm. the Euro, the Bureau of Labor Statistics aren't really humanizing the data; they're just showing the information. They're also showing people how they spend by category as well which is actually very interesting because they show you as far as the food, how much we spend on alcohol, housing, apparel, transportation, healthcare. It shows that for, for the last three years, which is very interesting to see. And you could kind of uh, peg like the trajectory of how we're spending and what we're spending more money, more money on. So that's what I've kind of figured out. At one point, we're spending a lot of money on fees and admissions through entertainment, being like the Beyonce concert, the Taylor Swift concerts, all that stuff becomes very um present in the data, it shows you exactly where Americans are spending their money. So we have, uh, so we have like the, the, the top two already, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, the, the median income of a household, then you have the um, real median income provided by the U.S. Census that humanizes the information. And then you have finally the Federal Reserve Survey of Consumer Finances that brings together a lot of this data to also show um, the assets, liabilities, the debts, the what people, the real estate, all of that information gets flooded in because they have the banking information for everybody. 
and they pull it together to tell us exactly how much median wealth does the average American have. That means how much um, your balance from assets minus your liabilities or um, that breakdown could be by um, gender. It'll be by education. It'll also be by race and ethnicity. And it'll be also by by age group. This is when by October, you start seeing in the media, you see like, oh, the net worth of black people are going, nah. oh, the white people's net worth are doing, nah. American are losing money. When you see those information, they're getting these reports from all three of these sources, and they're kind of making a story out of it. Sometimes they're mixing things together. So you'll see average thrown in for median, median for average. There's a lot of people that run around with data that actually have no idea what to do with numbers, but they write about this thing. You're right. Just remember, there some of them are English majors that are forced to write about math. <laughs> they have no idea what the hell it is. So they're just kind of like, they're doing the best they can. Yeah, I don't know what the math means. Yeah, they're like, mm, I don't know. And then a lot of these things can get reduced to um, borderline information that people don't really go into and understand. But if you're looking at it like I do, like I have to sit there with the numbers, try to get more and more comfortable with it to see what exactly is going on. And it's in 2022 is telling that the the median household brought in $94,000 before taxes. $94,000. They're thinking the median household of like two, two adult people and one kid or something like that. That's the median household. And they're bringing $94,000. That doesn't say that everybody is bringing in that much. It seems like some people are bringing more, some people are bringing less. But the middle ground, if you're two people that are working, making at least forty or fifty k a year, you're bringing at least $94,000 in a household. And the okay. um, average um, annual expenditures or median annual expenditures are $72,967. That means we're burning as much as 72%, if not 77%, of our income through expenditures every year as a as households, which is very uh, very alarming because we're basically keeping we're we we're loosely saving. I think the saving is like let me see the savings here for whatever is like eight grand out of like nine thousand. So you're saving like eight percent. So every every dollar you make, you're saving like eight cents. That's what all that means. Yeah, we're overspending. Hey, people don't want to hear that though. Like, no, we're not overspending. It's the uh, obviously America. They need to just make things cheaper. <laughs> we, I mean, we we discussed this in the past of how we're driving um inflation. There's there's a reason for supply and demand. We're demanding all these things and increases supply. Somebody have to pay for it, right? So, I don't know. I I think these numbers are interesting too. Um, and I recall asking you to kind of like translate this to make it a little more um, palatable. It's yeah, palatable. plausible. It's yeah, palatable. Palatable. Hey, you yeah. can pop on Long Glen. Like, you know what I mean. <laughs> hey, Florida did not have the best education system. <laughs> like, this is what it is. We fell victim to it. But yeah, that's we do the word. Best. To, yeah, to make it palatable. It's just to understand that if I guess in the end of the day, if you're listening to this right now, if you're, you know, in your mid thirties or even anywhere from like your 25 to 50, you want to be, you want to push to have a household bringing in as much as hundred K a year. That's the, it's almost like you have to know that as a fact of life, not necessarily like some kind of fiction, not me just telling you this, like just make it in your brain that if you're not making this much, don't, don't scapegoat it to somebody else don't say somebody else owes me this that and a third no 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 think to yourself like hey if i'm only making 30 40k can i make more money that's what i want you to focus on i don't want you to focus on the noise i want you to focus on can i make more money how can i make more money and can i get out now can i turn off the tv and i can i go do some extra work to make more money because that household needs to bring in as much as 100k a year why? Because if you're not, you're going to be falling behind. And falling behind is, it's okay now. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'll be all right. I'll figure it out. It's all good now. But in the next 10 years, it will be catastrophic for you because that cost will keep going up and you'll be falling further and further behind. And I think that's what a lot of Americans are unaware about because based on all these numbers that we've seen for years is that majority of people, you know, the the the, the way that this is uh, um, framed is that people are overspending year after year to the tune of, I think the, the expenditures went up like 
Um, and it went up 9% in 2020 to 2021. It went up 9% from 2021 to 2022, whereas the income went up 3.7% um, in 2020 to 2021. And in 2021 to 2022, it went up 7.5%. Your income is not keeping up with your expenses. Yeah, I'm reading it now. It's like your income is not keeping up with your expenses. Something has to give. It's not giving. <laughs> like it's not the math is not mathing for your Gen Z people. All of that is not really pulling it together because it shows me where your money or your priorities are based on these categories that are going higher and higher. Which I did a, a post on my um on my IG that that list out like entertainment things like um mm. that went up like nearly a hundred percent you know versus you know reading reading went up 2.6% in the last two two years and that means like the the median reading um, expenditure is $114 in 2020 it was $114 in 2021 same readers actually probably reading the same books and then you have in 2022 it went up to $117 this tells me that Americans are not reading. Question, Lawrence. I'm, yes. I'm kind of scanning this and reading it through because a lot of this is between 2021 and up to 2022. Um, in terms of the... Which one are you reading? Are you reading the BLS one or the, the U.S. Bureau one? Which one? U.S. Uh, Bureau. Okay, cool. <clears throat> so question, do they take an account between, you know, with the pandemic, a lot of people lost their jobs and I know it's an increase of wages and more people went from part-time to full-time because of the labor market, right? <clears throat> but also there is a component of people who not only lost their jobs and lost, um, let's say, health insurance, but also lost their homes or their apartment, mm -hmm. right? Um. I wonder is that in where is that kind of like falls into this but okay and this is why it's for some people you're gonna have to rewind that because i explained it that the bls the bureau of labor statistics is not really concerned with humanizing the information humanizing the information meaning that it, it, it's not adding the historical what's going on in 2020 and explaining to you what happened in 2020 versus 2021 versus 2022 it's not telling you all of that it's just giving you raw data Gotcha. <laughs> Whereas the kind of like nuance that you're looking for, you'd find it in the U.S. census that quantifiably tells you what was going on in that time. It's either you knew it because obviously we know we live through it. We understand that this is happening. But at the same time, you have to go to the census to tell you, OK, what does that mean? What does that mean for poverty for some people that that actually fell into more and more poverty because of pan pandemic? Whereas what does that mean for other groups? But in the median, the median that you see is because some groups are doing better and some groups are doing worse. But the median say kind of the same, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. That's that's kind of how it goes down. So even though I think eventually that they kind of did this asterisk thing in the BLS to kind of show, you know, the annual expenditures and how the they were processing data at the time, but because we had the whole pandemic, people were working from home, mm -hmm. getting to that data was a little bit like sloppier than yeah. usual. Mm -hmm. And so by the time that they got it together, they kind of made some changes and that's why they have the asterisks there. But ultimately what you find is that for the last three years, income actually went up because some people actually did lose their job, but there's a lot of people that took on two jobs. There's a lot of household or, or a better job. Like yeah, well, some people <laughs> took took on better jobs. To your point, some people left their work and they picked up better jobs. Mm -hmm. So it's all in here. It's just like when you look at raw data, it won't tell you that unless you historically know that's what's going on. Mm -hmm. So in this data itself, and this is why they kind of show you a three-year runway as well. Majority of the time when you do the statistics, you, you don't do it for year year versus last year. You do it for like the three years so you can show people in the consistent basis that income has gone up from, from 2020 to 2022. And expenditures has gone up from 2020 to 2022. So it's not like this, uh, um, what's it called it? A misnomer. In, in the math that, oh, yeah, you messed up because the 2020 was the pandemic years. No, over the last three years, post-pandemic, to your point, how, how long are we going to keep talking about the pandemic? Post-pandemic, the households themselves increased in income. They also increased in their expenditures. Mm -hmm. 
So I know it's, you know, it's going to be a lot for people to digest. It's, I find it very interesting and they list this thing out guys. So you could go download it, check it out online and I'll put it in the show notes yeah, so you could read it for yourself because it's, it's just interesting. It's like one, you got transportation went up a lot significantly because a lot of people were, you know, one, they didn't buy new cars in 2020. They kind of waited out 2021, but by 2022, they, we had um, cars with the average age of like 12 years, which is the highest average age we've ever had in America where people were just holding on to their cars. So by this time, <laughs> yeah, and I was part of that statistic too. So by this time, you find that a lot of people are buying new cars and those new cars are coming with, get a, a this is what I heard yesterday from a car salesperson. They're giving a hundred month car leases. That's not real. That's real? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was I was blown away. She works for for car car sales um, people. She the one that said it. Like I knew about the seventy two month one. Yeah, but I, I guess knew. it makes sense that they could do a hundred month a hundred month ones as well. Because if you if you're just making a lease anyways, and you're just trying to get people to 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 pay, and you want to reduce their their monthly, but actually just increase their overall lifetime of payments, you're gonna reduce it, but you're gonna increase the months. That gotta be illegal, man. <laughs> it ain't illegal because if you're it, it, nine times out of ten, these things not illegal because in the contract itself, before you sign it, they tell you read the contract, and people be like, mm, ah, da, 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 sign, da, 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 sign, sign. Honestly, if, if if I was smart, well, it worked out in my my favor. I would have bought it, probably purchased a a car between twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, a new car. Um, um, a new car in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one was more expensive. The interest rate was low though. The interest rate might have been low, but the actual um, cars themselves, the prices were a lot higher as for due to inflation and supply and demand and cost of goods. It was a lot higher. I feel like the car was a little higher when I purchased. Well, it was definitely higher no matter what. In the end of the day, like inflation is a universal constant. That just means that at some point it will always cost you more. You're always going to look back and say, well, I wish I bought a home back 10 years ago. Yeah, because it would have been cheaper then because that's the nature of prices. <laughs> it would have been cheaper to buy a car you know, five years ago, because that's the, also the nature of prices. And especially as cars kind of update and change, you're buying this car and 10 years from now, somebody's going to be like, damn, I wish I bought a car back in 2023 because man, it's a lot, it was a lot cheaper. It's hindsight is always 2020. So you're always better off making accurate decisions based on the time you're actually living in. You have to make the best decision today. That's what that means. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I still got a great interest on my car, but you know, you always want better. But, hey, but if that decision leads you to quit your job to go watch Beyonce, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think that's a good decision. Yeah, I've seen that you posted that. That's wild. Yeah, somebody quit their job because he had the PTO. That was like a story. It was it was a funny story, but people are a lot of people. It's and it's not Beyonce. I'm not picking Beyonce specifically, but it's the. The idea of the fear of missing out for people and also the, real. It's real. the fear of missing out and also the, what's, what's the thing that we do? We got the fear of missing out and then we have the, the delusions of youth. I think that's what it is. When we were younger, Forever we young. just figure we, yeah, yeah we, we figure, well, not even the Peter Pan, the delusion of youth. That means when you, you I have time. I have time to make it up. I, my future self is going to be better than yeah. my my current self. Yeah, everything. It's a delusion. It's like, ah, oh, man, I'll be fine five years from now. And then five years from now, I'll show up like, damn, we're screwed. But then I know that people thing, that still our age is probably like almost close to your age still mm. haven't started retirement. Oh, I have time. Oh, yeah. People will say that. People have no savings. They have no <laughs> this and have no that. They're, they're just kind of winging it. I recently, um, a, um, a guy rest in peace uh, from my college passed away like this mm, week. Yeah. So he passed away and you know, I was fine with everything and it was all good, but like, not like 10 seconds later, there was a GoFundMe. What you mean was, GoFundMe for what? There's a GoFundMe for him. Yeah. And it's not like, it's, you know, it's not the fact that you have a GoFundMe. I think it's like a 50 K GoFundMe too, but it's not the the idea of the GoFundMe It's the fact that he wasn't like this person that could not have like savings. Right. He, you know, it's not a person that could not have had like life insurance. Right. But it's just very odd that, you know, and it's, you know, I, and I don't, I, I failed not to mention it to other people, but in my mind that when I was running, I was thinking about that. We need to double down and make sure that we're good. That means like we we have our ducks in the row because 
yeah, it's fine to pull from your resources, from your community to, to, um, to bear to do, you know, give you a proper send off. And that's great. But it's also very much like in this vein, like, what are we doing to protect ourselves going before we, you know, depart? Or do we make sure we have an emergency plan? Do we do we have that fundamentals down? Do we have, you know, th our assets more than our liabilities? Are our, our, our liabilities going to pass over to, you know, our next of kin? You know, that kind of thing. And I think that's kind of, I don't, it's not, it's weird to think about, but that's the way I think. I think about, okay, this just happened and that's fine. That's finite. What can happen now and how can we learn so we're not in the same position next year? Kind of remind me of the uh song with Jay Z. I think Huston sang it, "Forever Young." Oh, you ever heard of it? Yeah, I've well, heard of it. Yeah. yeah, "Forever Young," and it's like, like you mentioned, the delusion of this youth <laughs> that we always uh feel like will always be here, and and I and I could go back to the Peter Pan uh syndrome: never want to grow up, right? Never want to be an adult. And I think it's hard for us uh, millennials to kind of realize, you know, mortality is facing us every day. <laughs> We're no longer 21, 22, doing a Dougie, trying to learn uh, all these like hip dances and whatever we're doing, meeting someone at a club, like it gets real and it gets yeah, real. Yeah, I better fast. go to Zumba, the Zumba <laughs> and the, <laughs> the Zumba classes. It, it gets real. It, it gets real and it, and it gets real fast. That's why where um when you think that people change when they have children or families, a lot of time it doesn't because we're kind of stuck in this arrested development for a very long time. And um, yeah, I do agree. We just got to learn how to, you know, grow up. That's really what it is. Just got to learn to grow up. I'm, I'm realizing more and more um, the things that, <laughs> the things I used to pick on my older brother, my brother, like what, 10 plus years older than, than I, right? And <laughs> the things I used to pick up, pick up on him when, you know, we were younger when I was younger, he was older than me. I think he was in college. And I'm just like, oh, you always tired. You always want to nap. Look at me. <laughs> I always want to nap. I'm always tired. <laughs> and I just want to just chill home like I'm here. It's just, it, it's just those small things. And and I just realize, okay, I'm getting older. It's, that's cool, right? But um, some of us, we're, we're still stuck in this loop. Like time is our best friend. <clears throat> time is our best friend and it's not. Time is not our best friend. You have to utilize time as much as time um, utilize you, either one or the other, because um, as we're seeing more and more, people can show they have their, their life in order, but when it comes down to it, there's a lot of cracks that no one is trying to fix and repair. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't the, know. The information is there. I think I was here like, you know, oh, they don't tell us this. I'm like, they do tell you this. They share it to you all the time. The, the It comes down to, do you do you bother to read this? Do you bother to know this? Do you bother to, you know, I guess we I did a um, a conversation yesterday about the this report called the two, the wealth of two nations. Mm -hmm. So it was like a report that came out and it's 104 pages. I'm like, do people even bother to read the information that's in there? People just don't. And I and, and they're like, oh, why don't they tell us? Why don't they? They do tell you this stuff. You don't care. And it's better to tell your, it's, at least in my opinion, it's better for somebody to to admit to themselves that they don't care about the, the information versus in pretending. Because what mm -hmm. that does, it frees you. When you say you don't care about this thing, at the very least, you're, you're now going to defer that caring to other people with that that field set or that um, that knowledge set, right? So you're mm -hmm. not necessarily burdened by that, right? You're not worried about whatever it is. You're just focused. Like I told a friend of mine um, the other day, he was like, "Oh, you know, you know, black black people cannot build wealth and stuff." Like that. Yeah, well, we can, but just like when I want to know about what's going on in Haiti, I don't defer to me. I I literally hit you up every time. I don't even ask myself that question about what's going on in geopolitics. I hit up Clee. He went to school for geopolitics. I don't defer to myself for things that are outside of my expertise or outside of not even my expertise, but my knowledge base of what my, my passions are. So when it comes to personal finance or wealth building or these reports, like, yeah, maybe you don't care about it and that's fine, but don't defer to yourself. Defer to me. 
I literally read this stuff all the time. <laughs> like I could tell you exactly where to find it. I don't, I, without hesitation. So you're not, you know, like, I guess, wasting your time on information that you likely wouldn't dissect anyways or wouldn't understand. And I think that's where we need to be as a community now is that we need to defer expertise to the person that is the expert or the person that is the subject matter um, person in our in our field. So when I think about small business um, acquisition, small business um, um, scaling, I don't defer to me. I defer to Lovely mm -hmm. immediately without a second guess. I don't care what I know. I'm going to defer to her because that's her field. That's what she understands. When when that lady that hit me up about oh she want to do the article about the house um, insurance thing or that mm -hmm. that's going on, I didn't discern. I could have easily said and fake fake it till you make it. George uh, Santos myself into the into the article, <laughs> like do what I do, vibe it through my generational financial trauma. I could I just put myself in the position right, but instead you know what I do instantaneously I hit you up because you're going through it right now, which makes you the expert, not me. Yeah. Do you see how that, you know, this is what I mean by sometimes if we're not reading the report, just admit it to yourself that you don't care. Because once you do, you free yourself to go now into your own field of expertise. And then I could defer to you for that field. I could literally look at you and say, you know what? Atlanta is a medical, uh, medical administration expert. I don't know exactly what she knows, but I literally don't know it at all. So I may as well defer to her. <laughs> you know, put it that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like, what am I mean? I don't know. I could speculate all I want, but I have no idea. <laughs> so I think that's where we we go with this kind of information when it becomes valuable. So we're not going into realms of pessimism. We're not going to realm uh, to the realm of scapegoating or victimhood. You know, champion or whatever that is. We go into a place of positivity, of courage, and of true understanding that all of us are capable of something. And all of us are capable of bringing something to the table, not, not not just the table, like as people say all the time, bringing something to the family, bringing something to your community, bringing something of value to yourself and to your purpose. And I think that's what this information tells me is that, you know, we're overspending, but there's ways that we could cut back. And maybe there's even ways that we could be intentional about the stuff that we definitely love and the stuff that we probably should cut back on, especially like take out, you know, food away from home is growing at an alarming rate. Um, we might want to start, you know, cooking at the crib. She just might want to. I, I don't know what you say. I know y'all want to be at brunch right now. I'm pretty sure y'all at brunch right now, but you might want to think about it. Cook at home. Uh, I was listening to a podcast, <laughs> my homie podcast. Shout out to uh, that absurd podcast. He said he took his kids to McDonald's. He was like, well, damn, I could have just, I could have just cooked gourmet food at home because the amount of money he spent uh, compared to um, what he spent in the past, he was like, this is not it ain't a happy value. meal no more. It's <laughs> not no happy, happy anymore. This guy sitting back like, I ain't happy about this. <laughs> ain't no happy meal. <laughs> Things are yeah. changing, man. Constantly changing. Yeah, more taking your more. kids to yeah, whew, taking your kids to anything. And that was like a couple years back when I was when I was just taking these girls to different like establishments. Woo, museum. That's you a clean. About you talking yeah, about like, dating like, or my, my little cousins? My little cousins. Oh, cousins. The, the, the little girls. I used to take them to different spots like. For like a museum, outing of like four or five of little girls with me, like to the movies or something. That's a clean hundred dollars. I'm pretty sure that's up to two hundred. And I'm just—it's yeah. not, not just the admission for whatever you're doing. It's also the food before, maybe or even after that you got to feed these kids. God forbid something happened in between. You gotta. Oh yeah, you gotta something. put gas. You gotta put <laughs> yeah. gas. You gotta make sure people are drinking water. You gotta make sure there's no accidents. It's all types of stuff going on, and the cost is pretty heavy. And this is why this, these um, the financial grill conversation is not just about money. It's about how we interact with money. So it's, it's closer in, in line with the U.S. census where we're humanizing the experience yeah, of money exactly. and how you can actually become better with it and without necessarily feeling that FOMO. Because I've seen some people now realizing, hey, man, I could make it a movie night at the crib and the kids are just perfectly fine with it. As long as I bring in some like microwave popcorn, I, I microwave that sucker, put in a... a, a a, a basket and those kids are, are kicking it and it's a great time for the family there's things you can do like you could bring that back board games for you and your adult friends there's adult board games as well that exist there's ways you could create space where you don't have to equate 
money with happiness. Oh, exactly. I'm out here dropping bars, bars in this episode. <laughs> exactly. We're going to record just one episode in the game. Bam, bam, bam. We did what you had to do. Bam, bam, bam. And I took shots at my, my haters out there. Hey, they, they, they came from me in that, you know, the WhatsApp group. I, I thought it was hilarious. They semi came and you you threw the veteran part. I was, oh yeah, I was I was waiting for a comeback. I was like, oh, they they there's they no didn't comeback. get a comeback. There's no comeback <laughs> to that one. You know, like, I, I would I would have thought the other girl said something, but no, she has nothing. She got nothing because the moment she say something, I was gonna ooh, I was gonna tear her down because some people talk about military experience, but only to other people that have no military experience. So they kind of allowed themselves as if they did something in the military, but like women are not combat, you know, people. I know exactly what she did had nothing to do with any level of combat. What she did was probably very much admin. That's And it doesn't mean that uh, women uh, in the military are, are less qualified. I know a lot of them that they, they kick ass. But for, for her to stand in the, this position as if she was part of the, the war room or the, po- the poli sci space or the, the intelligentsia, like, nah, you weren't part of these, these briefings. You're on the sideline as just a regular soldier. <laughs> like I guess to other people it sounds very fancy, but as a person that used to be in the Marine Corps, nah. And there's a reason why Marines don't talk or like what we've done, like our accolades, where we've been. We generally say it, but for some people that just be throwing it out there, I'm like, yeah, you you probably didn't do anything, did you? You just kind of existed and you thought you did something, but okay. <laughs> so I was waiting for that the another statement there, but never came, never came. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah we can I, wrap this up it was a good it was a great episode a lot of things we touch on um from just data information and how that data is being um helped in in practically just humanizing experience with money right when we're talking about the u.s census rule and all this information and also it, it takes into account of um not only how the money is being used but how we are um placing the resources that we have in order to help our families or help ourselves too. Because I was reading not too long ago, the CNN posted about the uh, census of um, the poverty is actually increasing uh, compared to last year. Well, compared to 2021 due to the child tax credit um, is now no longer um, accessible to families, right? So that's another component of that too, when we talk about children and children poverty. But um, yeah, so I'll, I'll place all this information, all these reports on the show notes. I think it's something good to kind of at least expose yourself to and read about. Um, Lawrence did a great job breaking it down and got a good um, segue to what is actually out there and the resources out there for you to learn. You can no longer say that it's not out there. You can no longer say that they're not doing anything to um, shed light on the description. This, I can't even speak today. Discrepancies? This, no, no, no. Disparities. Disparities. Okay. That, yeah, that's I can't speak one. today. Disparities of um, things uh, in our community. So, yeah, this was a good episode. And I, and I really uh, liked it. I actually wrote down a few notes for myself. So, mm. yeah. Any last thoughts? The last thoughts is that it's not, it's, it's not looking very good for the the black community that's for sure there are some upsides that we did make some inroads we're like the only uh group that made significant median income gains um in the last three years uh based on all the data we've you know obviously more people are working working more gig jobs more uh different variety of jobs but at the same time it's not really great news because we're still basically the the last in regards to median uh real median household income by race so at the very top, you have the median household income for Asians at $108,700. You have white non-Hispanics at $81,060. I'm not quite sure where they're getting these $60 from, but whatever. Then you have the, the Hispanic um, of any race, because it's hard to, def- the, um, I guess, parse that out. So they just say Hispanics of any race. They're making, um, the household is bringing in $62,800. And then you have the Black um, households, uh, which represented about like 40, 46 million people, are at $52,860. So the median real, the real median household for Blacks in America is 52,860, which is far from where we should have should be at, 
which is we're basically like halfway to where we're supposed to be at. And that's not really great information. It's very dire. And this, this should be very alarming information. If you're black right now, listen to us, because that's probably the majority of our audience anyways. You need to take that into effect and think, man, I need to, you know, get some work. I need to get really deep in the information, follow some of the stuff we, we've uh, been sharing. We have a lot of show notes. We have a lot of information and we're on social media. And then we're probably better people to follow than the, the lifestyle influencer that you're following right now. Unfollow them, follow us. <laughs> and that's the that's the last thing I have to say about it. So I'm a, on social media. I'm known as the neighborhood finance guy. You could find me in anywhere. You could Google me. And where can they find you, Alanda? Yo, you can find me on IG at Atlanta underscore Elson. I am there. But what about your YouTube, though? I know you were going to mention Yeah, you can find me on my YouTube at Atlanta as well. Can they? Can they really? Can they subscribe and see new episodes? They, they, they can subscribe. Maybe you'll see a new episode. Maybe you won't. And, and and that's the whole, that's the, I like that. That's the little anticipation. You never know when the You just never know. Might- People gotta understand, we out here living real life. It might pop off. It's like it might pop off at any time. At any you time, just, you, you just, you it. just, you just never know. Just you know. Subscribe though. Subscribe. 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 I really appreciate it. But thank you all for listening to another episode of the Financial Grio, aka TFG. We're out. Thank you for listening to the Financial Grio podcast, powered by the Wealth Builders Collective. 